he's the one that saw the, the kid from Ohio, and I, he saw something in me. But he's also the guy that says, I'm going to put you through these schools, and you're not going anywhere. Yes, sir. Chief Ennis was old school. Um, he talked. He taught me a lot about the nothing to do with the technical aspects of firefighting, but he taught me how to be a firefighter mentally. He, he, he taught me the importance of, of teamwork, of relying on each other. I think he's the one that really put it in my head to surround yourself with good people. Welcome to the Firehouse Logbook Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Dawson. And in previous episodes, uh, when I got to talk to Julius Hollis and Melvin Stone uh, from Florida, we talked about a group called the Retreads. <laughs> and uh, the, the important work that that crew is doing in, around the state of Florida now, we'll talk more, hopefully, with that them as a group at some other uh, later episode. But joining me today is one of the founding members of the Retreads, a retired fire chief from the city of Tarpon Springs, Florida. Chief Rick Butcher. Rick, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for the invite. Uh, I'm glad to be here. And uh, I, I know my electronic setup here is nothing like you guys work with at the, the Florida Fire Marshals and Inspectors Association, where you're the you're their tech <laughs> guru now and can put them on the web and have videos. But uh, but I appreciate you sitting down. No, you've got minutes. quite a great setup here. Very efficient. Well, let's. Uh, we're sitting in in Tarpon Springs, and many thanks to the Chamber of Commerce folks for letting us use a little space in their in their <laughs> beautiful building here. And um, this is where you've served at pretty much all of your fire service career, isn't it? Where did you, where did you come from, and how did you get to Florida? Because you're not a from here, are you? No, I'm not a from here, and not many people are. I'm actually uh, from northeast Ohio, but I moved down here when I was 18 years old and um, actually playing guitar in the church choir. Uh, the, one of the other guitarists was a firefighter local. He said, hey, you know, we have a meeting on Tuesday. It's a volunteer. You want to you wanna do it? I said, sure, I have nothing else going, and... That was the last day I was not a firefighter. Wow. And what then, were you doing before? Were you still in school then, or was that? Yeah, the, I, I was. I actually went to I went to school for theater, for acting, and and the tech work like you referred to as sound and lights and things like that. And I really, to this day, still tried to sneak in to do a couple of shows here or there, theater wise. But um, I worked with the phone company for a little bit. I mean, months, not not years. Uh, so I did a little bit of pole climbing. And then when I came down here, it's pretty much been all fire. I, I did, uh, I've worked for one department, this department, Tarpon Springs Fire, and uh, I started as a volunteer and retired as fire chief and pretty much hit every, I think the only official title I did not carry was EMS coordinator. Mm -hmm. I had them all between there. Well, officially, chief. I think you were the EMS coordinator as a fire chief, weren't you? Yeah, well, <laughs> Technically. yeah, kind of a... <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I oversaw a guy. Gotcha. So uh, let's go back to, to where it started and, and what got you hooked. I mean, you said that, that that friend of yours in the church band just said, come on and go to this meeting. And mm -hmm. uh, what, what what about that first few days or that first interaction kind of got their hooks into you? It's the ability to help people at a moment's notice. It's making, maybe making a difference immediate. You know, as I, I always thought as firefighters, you know, we, we, we kind of like immediate gratification for a job and uh firefighting and plus there's the the uh 
I don't know, the thrill factor, if that's what you call it, want to call it for an 18-year-old to, to think about running into a building and, and doing good things with it. And I, you know, I was always raised um, to help where you can, and if you can't help, find somebody that can, you know, that kind of a thing. So we were raised that way, and this just was a perfect fit for me. Um, you know, it, it was not sitting in an office, which ironically I, I did end up doing at the end of my career, but um, just being out in the, in the community. I, I mean, we're sitting in the chamber building right now. Um, I was actually chairman of the board for the Chamber of Commerce for a few years. So just being community-minded and being able to help and just, you know, it was such an attraction for me to be able to jump in and, and it fit physically, mentally, emotionally, everything kind of fit right in. And it, it, I just, I was very, very lucky. What, what year was it when you started? 1978. And he said you, you came in as, was that as a volunteer position or did you come straight on in the career side? I was a volunteer for about a year and a half. And during the volunteer years, year, um, we responded, this department back then was, was uh, I think we had five or six full-time firefighters, and then it was supplemented with volunteers. How many stations did it? It was two stations two. back then, and each station had two people in it. So you had four on duty. duty. And their job, you know, they would bring the engines to the fire scene. We, there was no EMS yet. Um, they would take the engines, and we all had the... Uh, the little magnetic red light that you'd put on your hood or your roof and we carried charging our, down the road yes sir and we carried our our gear with us at all time and we would just respond directly to the fire and it, it was like i said it was a great we trained i do remember the training was very physical back then you know we had the 68 pound air tanks you know air packs steel tanks yes sir so was it um you know we we just were talking a little bit ago about the the way training is around here today it's very organized it's very structured it's very regionalized what, mm -hmm. what was training like back in 78 was it all ojt was it all very focused from from this department it was it was strictly from this department it was the training we did was a lot of ojt um, most of it <laughs> kind of reactionary, to be honest with you. It was something they learned or we learned at the last fire mm -hmm. that we needed to work on, whether it would be anywhere from ropes and knots to raising ladders to, you know, uh, what have you. Uh, the formal, they did send us through formal uh, certification process. So before we could actually be a volunteer, you had to go get a certification. And it really looking back, I think it was maybe a 40-hour course or something down at the local uh, junior college which turned out to be the fire academy for this county uh, for Pinellas uh, so there was a little bit of formal training and then a, and a lot of training and, and our instructors consisted of the chief at the time and the officers at the time and depending you know on what they a lot of their experience there was a lot of years of experience there so there were well, there was no um, nationally accredited certification firefighter one not that but, well they, they there probably was but i wasn't yeah. i went through the fire academy itself in 79 you know it was uh pinellas county had its own fire academy and that was state you know we were state certified mm -hmm. at the time uh actually then you go th back then it was firefighter one two and three so by 1981 you know we had all the i had all of the state certifications and and all the training that was required by the state at that time. Cool. 
Well, talk, talk a little bit about the city of Tarpon Springs because we're kind of on the Gulf Coast of Florida um, near Tampa, just kind of, I guess, west of Tampa. What's the mm-hmm. Talk about what the community was like then and how it's changed over the years in your tenure. Well, um, Tarpon Springs is a Gulf Coast community. We're right on the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, like you said, located uh, Pinellas County, just north of Clearwater Beach, Dunedin Beach, all that kind of thing. Uh, the Ancloat River is our northern border. So whenever you hear a hurricane, they use the Ancloate River as one of the benchmarks. Mm-hmm. Ancloate River North, Ancloate River South for flooding and things like that. When I came here in the late 70s, I think there may have been, this is a, it has a population that comes and goes with the season. It's a seasonal tourist. Tourist town, yeah. And uh, we have the sponge docks here for, you know, the, the, with the Greek sponge divers and stuff. We would vary from maybe 12,000 residents with two fire stations uh, back then. And then I think we would swell up to in the mid 20s, 22, 24,000. I think now, and we're about 29 square miles. Uh, I think now, well, now we have three full-time fire stations. Um, I think the population has almost doubled full-time. Wow. And uh, we have a, US-19 is our major thoroughfare. Uh, when I came here, it was basically one lane each way or two lanes each way. Now it's a divided roadway. It's, it's remarkable, the, the growth here. Industry is pretty much stayed the same it's a lot of mom and pops stuff a lot of uh touristy uh shops uh you know i think our biggest thing we have is like a walmart or something like that so we're not we don't have a lot of industry here uh we have some boat builders uh ship builders we we um beyond that uh, there's not a lot of it's kind of a i think they refer to us as a bedroom community mm. it kind of just the vibe it gives me is it's um kind of a little bit like old duck north carolina used to be you know beach beach town a lot mm-hmm. of water theme shops some seafood places right. some the boat docks and not terribly commercialized or not at all so it's it, all this is um it kind of feels like a movie set sometimes for an old school old town type of uh, mayberry ish back then and today they they actually work pretty hard to keep that flavor you know we don't want to go all i forget what the word is that they use for the real modern too commercialized too commercial yeah overdeveloped and and while we sit here outside they're getting ready for uh we have this thing the first friday of the month it's actually called first friday i know that's original (laughs) but they actually shut down the main street and they put vendors out they have everything from uh food to uh, live music they have uh Vendors, artists come in, set up booths, and we have actually a boat parade because the end of the road ends up at the bayou. And uh, we have a Christmas parade for the boats that come On through. trailers? On the, on the road? No, on the, on the water. Oh, wow. Okay, because the water is just a block away yeah. from here. The just a block on the other side. It's popped yours probably. Yeah, worry. Um, yeah the, the, the water comes right up. It's the same place where they, uh, on Epiphany, the, the, the archbishop throws in the cross and the Greek uh, boys dive in for the... You know, it's a religious ceremony every January sixth, and that's where they bring the boats up. Yep, it's uh, yeah, it's a pretty that's a pretty impressive event too. I was mm-hmm. here a couple of years ago for that, and it's uh, it's huge. Yeah. It's, oh yeah, people come from all around. Yeah. I mean, we'll have our entire uh, population's numbers walking up and down down the, the street. Yeah. Because all Tarpon the streets Evans. were closed, it was literally walking from the church down to the water. Oh yeah, there. yeah. Parking is always interesting and. And that was one of the challenges that we had when I was in the fire service is 
you know, locally here, we had to come up with a plan for that. Yeah. And we had everything from bicycle medics to golf carts to things like that yeah. to get through the crowds. Well, let's go back to your fire service days. How did, uh, what was it like coming from uh, the volunteer and in, in your initiation into the career side was it a mm -hmm. testing process so they they say hey you're you're a good volunteer come on board with us and we'll start giving you a paycheck and kind of kind of um it was it was more of a, a work ethic you know i i was willing to learn because i was really interested in it um they were a bunch of the volunteers i think there may have been 12 or 15 of us at the time that were regular volunteers and three of us ended up getting hired uh, full-time and basically we were the three that were always there we were you know willing to learn we were willing to get in the and you know get down and dirty back then and um, eager uh, I, like I said it was always a good fit it's good feel um, the the administration at the time actually when when they were expanding because EMS was on the horizon so they were actually expanding the the manpower and the three of us got picked up right around the same time and uh you know with the con and it was always conditional back then mm -hmm. um the chief at the time uh, i remember him saying you know go through the academy you know back then you had to be sponsored through the through the fire academy right. um to get from the volunteer status that training level to career status you had to obviously have your your state certifications mm -hmm. And uh, the chief says, we'll, we'll put you through the academy, but you will not leave this department. And then he put me through EMT school and paramedic school. Same deal. We'll put you through school, but you will not be leaving. And none of us ever even thought about it back then. Uh, at times of change, too, there. Yeah. It's, uh, things yeah. are a little bit different. But uh, I guess they, you know, because they were, they were sponsored. Did you, you know, nowadays it's a, you sign an agreement that if you leave within so yeah. many months or years, you're, you owe the department. You know, we had in my department. If we sent you to paramedic school, if you you got to commit two years to be mm -hmm. an ALS. I think it's still the same here, and it's a shame it's come to that. In my opinion, but yeah, that. But you didn't have to do that. It was no. kind of more of the threat from the fire chief. Oh, yeah. You're not leaving. You're, You're not, not leaving. leaving. That's and that's all he needed to say. Yes, sir. You You're know, well, I'm staying, and and I stayed for nearly forty years. So, yeah. so how did you how did you come about to get promoted up through the ranks, and what was what was the process like there? I was one of those that took every class they offered. Um, you know, it was silly to me to turn down free education. And every time a class would roll around, they would put the put the sheet up. If you want to go, sign up. I actually signed up for a few classes. I wasn't even sure what they were. Didn't recognize the title, but it was something to go do. And, and so as a result of taking every class, I mean, all the hazmats and uh, plan review and just the classes that, you know, fire – Fireground tactics, you know, all these classes that were there available locally, I took them. And then as the uh, uh, promotional exams and things came up, um, you know, we had requirements. You know, you had to have these classes. You had to have this amount of time, you know, standard things. Um, I just was pretty uh, fortunate, you know. I worked my way through the ranks basically because I took every class that was offered and was able to go through some assessments, you know, the promotional assessments, exams, and it just kind of worked out. I, I am the example of a, of a good case of good timing yeah. because everything kind of, I won't say everything fell in place, but, you know, I worked, I went to school, I did everything, but I, I didn't take any shortcuts. I just, but I didn't push. 
You were know, there at the right place at the right time. Exactly. Kind of, the lucky, as good as good as you were lucky or as lucky as you were. Yeah, good every time I tripped over a stair, I was tripping up, you know. So <laughs> I don't know. But I, I always kept myself busy off-duty, um, you know, with the shift work. I think that helped back then because there were a lot of guys that were doing their off-duty work would stay uh, related to fire. Some of them would go teach somewhere. Some of them would, would, you know, do other, whether it be mechanical things or whatever. Everybody, because, you know, we weren't getting paid a lot of money back then. So you had to have a second job. And my second job was always away from the fire service. I did uh, painting houses. I did, you know, I did a lot of theater back then. And I did, I worked for the chamber here. Uh, Just things. And I think that having that, mind away from was able to kind of clear some of the clutter out of my head when I went back to work I was able to really dedicate and devote everything into it I I think that helped me along the way so it's almost like staying fresh you were mm-hmm. you, you got that break and yeah the mind break or yeah like escape. like halftime yeah. you know you go in you sit down for a minute you you clear everything out of your head and then you're able to go, go back in yeah. But I, I, I do attribute a lot of everything that I was lucky enough to do because our department had a great educational program. You know, they, they would, they, here's a class, we'll help you get through it. You know, we had a fund that would, you got a certain amount of money every year, you could pay for classes, conferences, whatever it is, and they would give you the time to go yeah, do it. It's good support. And that, that yeah, the support, exactly. Yeah. Do, uh, so you, you obviously worked as a, as a company officer and riding the rig and then uh, getting promoted. What was your first kind of admin job that uh, wasn't necessarily riding fire trucks or going to fire calls? Probably a fire inspector. I uh, would come in and, and I'd set up the, the fire inspection program, I, and I did a lot of that early on. And then that was the first thing that, kind of I was a, a line officer I was a, a lieutenant station lieutenant and uh, I had uh, just gone, gone through and got my inspection certificate fire ins- uh, and it was it was one of those ones you screwed up and went, yeah, I'll take this class? What the heck? yeah I went to the classes got the oh chief I remember chief oh look at you you're an inspector now good we've got some work for you oops so that took me off of the engine um, you know original originally and then I kind of liked the prevention aspect of it because there again, just like in the very beginning when I felt like I was able to make a difference or, or have immediate impact on, on helping, I saw that in the same thing in the prevention world. When doing an inspection, when you, know, you can catch something during an inspection that might be hazardous and it, it, it makes a difference down the road. So I kind of stayed in that uh, prevention field from then on up until um, you know the the chief aspect of it kicked in. So what part of you is yeah. So you ultimately wound up getting promoted to chief. Mm-hmm. Um, talk a little bit about that. How that took place was that was that did you come into the job thinking I want to be a fire chief one day? Oh heck some, no. Some point during your career you went yeah I might want to do that. Nope, not at all. I uh, as it went on once I became an officer and once I got into prevention, um, I was striving to be fire marshal which i did i was fire marshal for i want to say 12 15 years i was fire marshal for a long time uh we had gone through a couple of chiefs 
throughout that, just normal, normal progression. Uh, I ended up as the number two in charge here. It's a deputy chief or assistant chief, you know, depending on how they, what title, four bugles. Um, the chief at the time, when I would, I was, I was fire marshal, then I moved up to assistant chief and I was helping mainly with the, the budgeting and, and all the administrative duties, that kind of thing. And then we had another uh, training chief and he kind of stayed with training and logistics and then we had an EMS guy. We were no longer two, two people on two stations. You know, we'd kind of grown into a, a full-size department. And uh, oh, by the way, the volunteer aspect of our department dissolved probably in mid-'80s or oh. maybe earlier than that. I, we went to uh, EMS October 1st, 1982 was when we started running rescue calls. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. Uh, so you say running rescue calls. Did that, that include putting an ambulance in service? Or well, we, in the beginning, we... We used to be just a Tarpon Springs fire. And then on October 1st, 1982, we went to a Pinellas Countywide system where the, the 911 system started. We weren't even 911 when I started. Oh. Um, in October 82, we went to 911 Countywide. At that point, we started running medical calls. Pinellas County uh, gave us two box units of uh, rescues. They look, today they're like ambulances. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's when they kind of put a bunch of us through paramedic school and that kind of thing. And we learned that running medical calls was kind of the uh, uh, upcoming thing. So EMS became a big piece of it. Um, and I kind of, I was a paramedic. I went through paramedic school. I ran all the calls that we were supposed to, but I, I liked prevention. And the other thing I kind of gravitated toward was emergency management. Um, one of my chiefs, throughout uh, was really big in emergency management. Uh, just one of the very forward-thinking type of guy where he'd say something that would be crazy at the time, and then three years later, everybody's doing what he was saying. <laughs> Look how smart he is now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, I, I kind of became chief through a fluke. I never wanted to be chief. I was happy to retire as a fire marshal, and then when I got moved up to assistant chief, I was good with that. I, I had never, I'd never, I wasn't that guy that walked in and said, I want to be fire chief. I want that chair, that office. That was never me. It just kind of, it happened uh, through some really crazy circumstances. The, the Back fire. to the right place at the right time. Yeah, well, this one, this was kind of a wrong place at the right time. <laughs> um, the, the guy who was fire chief before me had, he had an incident, an unfortunate, an unfortunate incident, and he had to leave. He had to retire. This was basically a, at a, a fire call on a Friday. And Sunday morning, I got a phone call from our city manager, mayor, you know, at home saying, hey, um, we need you to step up. And if you can be interim chief for, um, sure, okay. You know, that was in January of 2010. And uh, six months later, I, they, you're chief. You screwed up and did yeah. a good job, apparently. Yeah, so, yeah, so I, I, and I was... I stayed from 2010, January 2010 to September of 17. I was fire chief. Yeah. What part of your uh, uh, your past career, the first three plus ish years, what do you think best prepared you to be the fire chief? Was it your time on the engine, your time running ambulances, your time in inspections? All of it. Yes. Yeah. I, 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 and then and it carries into my when I was chief. I never claimed to be the brightest bulb in the chandelier, but. I did have a, an ability to surround myself with a lot of talent, a lot of great 
people around me. So I had all these bright lights that surrounded the dim bulb in the middle, which was me. <laughs> and, I, and I think if there were a talent, I think that might have been the plus that I did have is, is I, I'm the last person to take credit for something someone else does. I think that's wrong. I, I, we all know people that have done it. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I don't like it. I think that if somebody steps up and does something, they get, they deserve all the credit even. And if they happen to work for me, it's good for me because less they work, did, they it's less did. work you had to do. Yeah, they could do it. yeah. exactly. So I, I, I had, I, and, and it worked that way throughout for me. Um, once I became an, uh, an engine, a, a lieutenant on an engine, I had the best crew. I had the best driver engineer. I had the best medics. I had the best firefighter. You know, I had the best crew. And I was fortunate because pretty much all the way through my career, I had the best people around me. So it was never, I could never do any of this stuff without everybody else. Yeah. They did it all. I just, you know, I was the fortunate one. Yeah. Well, and I've always looked back at uh, my career too and said, hey, yeah, there's certain people that kind of influenced me, that developed my style or my mindset or whatever, call them mentors, either officially or unofficially. Who were, who were some of the mentors over your career that kind of um, made a difference in your career and how did they influence you in that process? Well, there's two that stand out and then there's others. The first one would be Ken Ennis. Ken Ennis was the fire chief that hired me. He's the one that saw the, the kid from Ohio and I, he saw something in me, but he's also the guy that says, I'm going to put you through these schools and you're not going anywhere. And I, you said, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Chief Ennis was old school. Chief Ennis was old school. Um, he talked, he taught me a lot about the, nothing to do with the technical aspects of firefighting, but he taught me how to be a firefighter mentally. He, he, he taught me the importance of, of teamwork of relying on each other. I think he's the one that really put it in my head to surround yourself with good people. Um, he was very no-nonsense, you know, and I, I, I stumbled a few times for sure, and he was the first one. He picked me up and then smacked me in the butt, you know, the, metaphorically. Yeah. Um, but the, the he, Smack of encouragement here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and Chief Ennis was the... Um, he was kind of the rock for the department. He was, if there was ever a, a, a symbolic person for our department, it would have been him back then. Cause you know, he managed to cobble together at that time what was a mix of volunteers. So was he the first city fire chief? Or he was, was not, he was the third, I think, mm -hmm. second or third. Tommy Thompson was the first. I think there was one in between and Chief Ennis was number three. I believe I was number seven or eight or it might have been six i'm in there somewhere um but uh our department uh, i think we started in 1945 i believe there's i actually tried to put a history together when i was chief but i got caught up in hurricanes and things like that back yeah, then no hurricanes yeah. hit florida no <laughs> but uh yeah chief ennis was very instrumental in 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 the mindset of for me of being a firefighter for me teaching me how important you are to me as as a partner and and that kind of thing um another huge influence was harry leonard harry was uh um he was the emergency management guru he was the guy that would 
he was like the first kid on the block with a cool toy. I think the first time I ever saw a cell phone was in his hand. You know, he's that kind of guy. Before the cool toy was a cool toy. Before it was cool, Harry was all about it. Um, he was very forward thinking. Uh, he kind of got me involved in emergency management. I was the director of emergency, or actually I was the coordinator of emergency management for the city while he was fire chief and he was the director. Um, he led us through back when 911 hit. He, he, he was the, he's a very, very smart person. Not book smart, although he, I'm sure he is. Uh, but he, he's visionary. That's a good thing. He's a visionary. He, he saw things and was always able to make them work. Um, and he kind of instilled that. He gave us the room to think, mm -hmm. which is kind of a goofy thing, but he gave us all the room to think. And we were allowed to express our, our silly ideas, some of them, especially mine, a lot of them were crazy. <laughs> I mean, I got laughed at, we all did, but we were allowed to express our ideas. And Harry, Harry would, that's a good idea. And then he would turn something, turn it into something real. He was just, he was, he was a visionary and he, he he supported us thinking that way. It's almost like you had the you had the um, ability to speak the stupid, silly ideas yeah. on that slim chance, the, the occasional chance one yeah. of them would be a good idea that he could spin into something that was positive. So. Throw it against the wall, yeah. see if it'll stick. Yeah, okay. that's Harry. He he's just a good guy. Yeah. What about uh, call wise? I mean, it's pretty small. Uh, city of Tarpon Springs, and I'm sure there's occasional incidents that uh, come to mind over a 30-plus year career. What uh, what type of incidents ran that stick in your mind? There's there's a, well, any calls that involve kids were the most painful for me. Um, we had early on we had a, a a little league team riding in the back of a pickup truck that had rolled uh, with with uh, a majority of the kids in the back, and that was just awful. Um, you know. It, I'm trying to think of any specific. I mean, we did some high-rise rescues when they were building the tower up by 19. We have one high-rise. It's not even a high-rise. It's actually a mid-rise. Um, high, high is a relative term. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a high-rise high, for tarpon. It's, it's the highest we have. Um, specific calls, um, some water rescues. You know, they're, they're really, I'm trying to think, because whenever I think of, of traumatic calls, I think anything to do with children, with kids. Um, highlights obviously was, is delivering babies yeah. or being recognized on a, uh, a birth certificate as the attending physician, which is very cool, by the way. They actually uh, sent me one, a copy of one. Where one I'm, of the ones you delivered. Yeah, How a cool baby I delivered, and it has me down as the attending physician. That's pretty cool. Do um, Dr. Butcher. Dr. Yeah, Butcher. yeah. <laughs> well, which is it's kind of ironic. My daughter right now is in uh, medical school and veterinary college down yeah. in uh, the Caribbean. And that's kind of a thing. You know, you're going to have to worry about that last name. Nobody's going to go see Dr. Butcher. <laughs> but Taylor for yeah. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, well, you know, she doesn't seem concerned with it yet, but we'll see. That marketing material might uh, might say something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can tell you that there's calls that have been, or have been, uh, you know, we've had multi-vehicle accidents. And we've I, I know of having two or three helicopters on the ground to transport. Mm -hmm. Um, and just watching some of these, the crews just work together seamlessly, you know, you know how noisy that some of these scenes could be. Um, those are always kind of a, a highlight is when you see how things work together. Um, as far as the 
traumatic. I, you know, with anything to do with kids, like I said, it, I, there really are them. They, you know, we, we always had to um, debrief afterwards. You know, we had the CISM or CISD. So you guys had some kind of formal team process. Mm -hmm. When did that come about? Because I know it's, that's kind of been a, depending on where you're at, a, a new or different approach to it. I had, who was I talking to? That it was, they, 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 they attribute this kind of this, um, the camaraderie around the kitchen table of the old school stuff we were talking mm -hmm. earlier about that's that was critical incident stress debriefing before CISD was a thing exactly exactly so we, how did you guys get to that point where you had these we actually um, it kind of came along with when we went to the countywide uh, dispatch system mm -hmm. and we had the resources of the entire county um, I think that might have been one of those Harry Leonard things I, I think it might have been he might have been the catalyst behind bringing it up you know, for our, for our, the ability for us to use. Um, but I mean, we did the standard, you know, where we would put everybody out of service and take them into a room and let everybody kind of be there. And then they would bring in people to talk with us if we needed it or, you know, you know how it works. Mm -hmm. You don't talk, you can talk. It's up to you. Um, that was probably nineties. I want to say early nineties. I think Harry had part of that. He was part of that, but we, we tried to, in our department, you know, we, you know, the whole fire service, what it is, it's 200 years of tradition, unimpeded by progress. <laughs> yep. um, we, yeah, the two things they like the most, two things they hate the most are the way things are and change. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we, we, you know, it's a tough balance there to figure out which one you're going to go with. Well, uh, of all the positions you've had in the fire department, which one would you go back to? Say that you could work for a month. You, you got to work a month, but you, you get to pick your assignment. Where would you go? What station shift? The best job in any fire department, in my opinion, is driver engineer. Um, that was the most impactful. Um, so it's a very important job. But having said that, I would probably go back to fire marshal. Or emergency management. Emergency management was kind of a, a really big thing the last third of my career. Um, so, I well, emergency management was always something that was there when needed type of thing. But probably fire marshal because being proactive and, and getting to impact things that didn't happen yet, mm -hmm. I think, is, is kind of an important thing. Keeping it from happening in the first place. Exactly. Talk about that emergency management role for just a bit, because you know, my, my experience with emergency management is, is I was in a county and we didn't have any cities within the county. We had, we worked up to the state EOC when we activated our EOC. What's the, mm. what's the interaction between the city of Tarpon, the county, and the state? Is how does all that work together? Well, you know the the saying in emergency management: all uh, disasters, all things are local. Um, in our county, in Pinellas County. Everybody has their own EOC. And, of course, you know, the breakdown of the EOC, everybody within the EOC's city. We have a liaison that works from the city. We actually send somebody from our from Tarpon Springs EOC and goes down to Pinellas County EOC. So they're physically there. And physically there. Okay. Yeah. And then the, then their communications with the counties to the state directly. Mm -hmm. So we have a very good working relationship uh, in emergency management. And it's all resource-based for emergency management locally, all the, the contracts that you have with the debris management and 
and the different types of communications needed and things like that. It's it's very robust to use a Julius word. Yeah. Bro, he loves that <laughs> Julius. Word. Julius and his robust, but it works in Pinellas County. Um, but you know, there's a lot of work behind the scenes that goes into that. So you know, it's it's constant. It's constant change. There's that word again, mm-hmm. but it's it's changing up. You know what worked keep it if it didn't work let's figure out a way to make it make it better well you retired in 2017 mm-hmm. you kind of took on another career what are you doing with, what have you been doing with yourself since uh being fire chief i did a lot of things the first i retired on on a wednesday in 2017 and thursday morning i was at daytona speedway doing my onboarding for nascar i uh work safety with nascar as firefighter i do one of the things in nascar it's very similar to the fire service it just you're all over the country um it's a great it's nascar is wonderful i'm kind of a motorhead to begin with i love cars and working on cars seen a couple of pictures of some of the cars you've had yeah i I enjoy i enjoy my my oil (laughs) but uh so in nascar i i kind of turned into a like a utility player, how in baseball you have that guy. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of that guy in NASCAR. I can work either the garages or the pits or actually on the track, you know, responding to the accident. So, so, you, so you're the guy in the blue suit with the helmet that's uh, pulling the driver out of the car. Uh, red suit. Red suit. You're the red suit guy. Uh, red suit. Blue suits are the medics, right? The blue yeah, suits are the medics. Right. Uh, it's a red suit with a white stripe across the chest. And, yes, I, that's what I do. I'm one of those little red pickup trucks that rolls out on the accident, I'm in, I'm in one of those. Sometimes. Sometimes I'm working. I prefer if you, you know, if they say, where do you want to be today, which they don't do. <laughs> you, you look at a board and you see where your name is, that's or, where you are. Or they ask you where and they yeah. you tell them and then they send you somewhere yeah. else. It's, that's the fire department. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and most of the people there are firefighters. Some of them retired, a lot of them local to the track. Um, but, yeah, I, I prefer to work in the pits because... In the pit, when you, the pit stop lasts 12, 14 seconds, it's the best place to watch the race. And you figure I'm within five feet of the car when it pits. We're, we're right on the wall. And just watching the pit crew and the communications and just being right down in the middle of it is, is very. And then when if you happen to have the winning car, you get to go to victory lane. That's a good thing, oh, too. Neat. Well, there's, it, yeah, and we talked a little bit about that, too. There's an awful lot of coordination. You're not just standing there. You're actually working with i say working with the pit crew more more staying the heck out of the way of the pit crew so that they can do their job and you're in a good position to do yours if you need to both uh, we're actually considered part of the pit crew at the time and there i have actually worked with some pit uh, some crews that we rehearse prior to the race because they have guys that throw the hose the tire changers and the gas man and all that it's a very choreographed routine and where we stand is right where the gas man and the rear tire changer is. So we will actually rehearse and choreograph some of that. Um, our main job is to not be part of the race. You know, if, if we impact the race, then something didn't go right. Whether it's a car came into the pits on fire or there's an incident in the pit, you try to mitigate that as quickly as possible and try not to impact the race. Let them get back to racing. Mm-hmm. So do you travel to all the NASCAR tracks for the season, or are you just uh, no? I, I travel southeast. I, I I work. Well, I've worked out as far as Vegas, and I've been out west into California, uh, north to Watkins Glen. So I, I work about ten, twelve tracks. 
Um, normally, my home track is Daytona, so I work all the Daytona and the Homestead. I work Talladega, Bristol. Those are my pretty much were in Charlotte, you know, the regular tracks. Um, I do get up into, I did Watkins Glen in Vegas. It was one of my norm, normal runs, too. You have a driver you you like to sit. If you had to pick a driver to be in their pit crew, who would you sit with? Well, it used to be Clint Boyer. I used to love Clint Boyer's, but he retired. He's doing TV now. I pretty much stay with uh, the twelve car Ryan Blaney now when I can. Um, other than that, I, I have worked with Chase Elliott's group. He's the number nine car. Um, sometimes you just take what you know. A lot of times these days you'll end up covering two cars, which is you know doubling doubling up your duty. Um, but yeah, we, 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 we're supposed to be neutral, but we're all fans, Yeah, you know? So it, it's, and like I said, the, we work more closely with the teams than the drivers, you well, know, the drivers out there doing his thing on yeah. the track all the time. You got to work yeah. with the pit crew all, the whole race. You're there. Got to get along. And, and, and I will tell you that the guys that go over the wall, those, they're all athletes. In fact, most of the gas men and the Jack guys or played college football, D1 football somewhere. A couple of them played in Canadian football so league. There's some pretty big dudes too, aren't they? Mm -hmm. Most of them were either a tight end, uh, you know, because I'll go up if I don't know the guy, I'm meeting him for the first time. You know, you have to introduce yourself and that kind of thing before the race. I'll always ask, so where did you play ball? <laughs> and they always say, oh, I played at Clemson or, or Florida or something, you know. Oh, wow. Let's uh, let's kind of bring it back to the fire service right. now and uh, and what you're doing there and uh, talk a little bit if you can about the retreads uh, and talk just briefly with Julius and, and Melvin about that and uh, have you that, gotten the read out of what retreads? I have coming? heard it and I will butcher it if not no pun on your name yeah, but no. I will kill it if uh, well I actually have it. It stands retreads for retreads stands for retired elders taking responsibility educating advising developing and sharing the retread started out with six of us in order to be a retread you had to have had a, a full career retired. retired hence the r hence the r <laughs> that are retired um the elders part i think we just needed something for the e i i, I kind of <laughs> yeah, i'm not, not sure about old. the elder thing but um it, it were guys who had been retired and we could go off into the sunset but all of us stayed in and, and the reason we stayed in is because we're not done. You know, we've got things that we could help, we could share, we could help educate, we could, even if it's telling war stories, you know, yep. bring some excitement to, to some of the folks coming in. Or, hey, don't ever do this because I've yeah. done it and it didn't yeah. end well. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm a great example of what not to do. You know, yeah. I could always say that. I'm, I'm a before picture in a lot of these things. <laughs> so the six of us, uh, we were at Fire Rescue East a few years ago. I think it was fire rescue. It was one of the events. And it's a big, big Florida Chiefs Conference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, big fire Chiefs Conference. And um, we were in a hotel room, and we were just kind of laughing at ourselves because we realized we looked around, and the six of us are in there. It's Melvin, it's Melvin Stone, who's the uh, he was from Tampa. He was mm -hmm. Melvin and I actually started in the fire service together. Oh yeah. Uh, he was a fire marshal in Tampa, and then he worked for the state. He was the assistant director. Of course, Julius Hallis who's been everything to the He's state retired a couple of times. He's retired, yeah. Um, Rand Napoli, who was retired director of the state fire marshal. Pascalone, John Pascalone, who was retired from uh, a couple of departments. Um, and 
on Lou Simon. Now, Lou is is kind of our wild card. Yeah, I want to get Lou on here, too, because he's got some interesting Lou stories. For is, sure. Lou's got some, some stories. Lou is an interesting character. He, he, he never really was a firefighter, but he was an advocate, and he, he has programs that he... He has put together programs for fire safety. He has, he's up in the villages now, and he, he actually, I think he's, he can't quote me on this, but I think he's a part of why the villages has such a successful fire, fire uh, program up there. Um, boy, am I missing somebody? Did I get all six of us? Uh, let's see, you got Julius, John, Melvin, Melvin Ran, and then me. Yeah, yeah, six. Now, since then, we've added Rick Taubert, who's a retired fire chief, uh, another guy who's just, we just stay in it because, well, it's a passion. I mean, you, you're, you're retread qualified. I mean, you retired out and you're, you went right back in full time. So, um, it's just, we're, we just feel like we have something to offer. Um, the retread, the whole mindset of a retread is, is basically what we're doing here. Yeah. You know, we're sharing. Um, we're also trying to provide opportunities if someone were to come up to any of us as you if, if somebody come in off the street and wanted to be a firefighter you wouldn't just pat them on the head and say that's a great idea you wouldn't do that you would give them a phone number you would give them you know you hear the first 10 steps you should take yeah exactly call yeah. me when you get to the second one when you start stumbling kind of thing yeah you'd always be there to have to cover their back and that's 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 what we do cool. well it's a great group but you know i've sat around and had a uh, a couple of adult beverages with mm -hmm. some of those guys and uh, enjoyed the stories. And I think I forget it was last year. I don't know. It, and everybody was sitting around the hospitality suite at, at one of the conferences and just telling the story about, uh, you know, who, who were the mentors along your way. And I'm like, I have wish I had my microphone in here talking and listening to this, mm -hmm. this crew. So, uh, still my mission to get all you guys together in a room and do that one day. Well, I mean, we, we, we're together quite a bit, yeah. you know, a handful of times a year anyway. So anyway, I, th I think it's great because it's not, it's not about me asking the questions. I like watching the interaction between you and John and John and Rand and Rand and oh, Julius. Yeah. and We finish else. each other's sentences. Exactly. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Or start the next one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, we've uh, kind of been at it an hour. I, I don't want to take up all your afternoon because I know it's going to be a busy day. And uh, yeah. you got to head down to Daytona and watch cars turn left, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Now we have training first. And yeah. But uh, one last question I like to ask everybody, and this is one that's probably got the most comments from people listening, is they really enjoy hearing the, this perspective of uh, from people who've been in the service for 20, 30, 40 years. If you get the chance to talk to a recruit graduating class today, you know, you get five minutes with them. What uh, what kind of advice do you think you'd give them to, for, a, for a career that would get them to the 30-plus 30, 30 year mark to, to retirement? That's easy. Just take in everything. Don't, don't – uh turn down opportunities. Um, one of the lucky things that I did was I took every class that was offered and they weren't all related to one another because I wasn't sure what I wanted to be. The fire service has so many different paths once you get in. And I would tell a recruit that if you're coming in today, you're getting your basic, you're getting your firefighter. It's like getting your, your learner's permit for a driving mm. license. You know, uh, now now it starts. Uh, take some people love training. Some people love uh, emergency medicine. Some people love emergency uh, uh, emergency management. Some people love this and that. Some people just want to come in and ride backwards on an engine. 
We need every piece of that. I, I would tell somebody to come in, just be wide-eyed, look around, take it all in. Don't turn down opportunities um, because of, you know, uh, you know this, this, this gruff old, you know. A crusty old guy. Crusty old guy said he had a bad experience with this. Well, maybe he probably did, but that doesn't mean you're going to. I, I would just tell somebody coming in that just look around, you know, don't, don't, don't buy the first opportunity that comes in. Don't discard it, but definitely, you know, try everything. Take every class that's offered. Take every opportunity that, that comes your way. And you don't have to be everything, but at least you'll have tried everything. And then you'll know which one's the best fit for you or which two. You know, it's fire service. We all multitask. So that's true. I would just tell them, just be wide-eyed and take it all in. And, and, and for one thing is to enjoy the ride because it, every day coming to work was, was cool. And, and enjoy the fellowship, yeah. really, which is the best way to put it. Enjoy the fellowship. Good deal. Well, any uh, any other closing comments, thoughts you want to want to share with the world? <laughs> no, I think I I think I've had enough to say, but I do appreciate you coming all the mm-hmm. way up here. Oh man, it's glad to do here. it. I was uh, I was in the neighborhood, so to speak. It's cold up in Virginia now, so I'm Oof. gonna I'm gonna spend a few weeks down here in the sunshine state when it's actually sunshiny. I, oh I, man, yeah. Well, give my cousin a hard time. The first week I was here, I think it rained every day, and I said, "Sunshine state, my butt." But <laughs> well, I think winter will be here in January for about. 10 days yeah so yeah you might want to be yeah i might i might have to put put jeans on before <laughs> yeah. it happens yeah. light jacket that's it but i i appreciate the opportunity and, and hanging out with you is always a good yeah, time enjoyed it rick i appreciate uh, appreciate the friendship i came to the, i made a comment to julius the, one of the first uh, comments people said when i got this job with nfpa is go hook up with the florida crew because they're a good group to work with and mm. work around and I'll, I'll echo that with everybody i've met down here so far well, i sure. can tell you you guys you have been a, an incredible addition to the family Amen. It's a team. It's a brotherhood. Mm-hmm. There it is. Hey, brother. <laughs> well, uh, Chief Rick Butcher, thanks for your service to Tarpon Springs and the state of Florida and, and NASCAR as it goes NASCAR, forward. So I yeah. uh, appreciate that. And thanks for being here. And if, for anybody who's listening, make sure you subscribe and rate the podcast on whatever podcasting platform you listen to. If you got any comments for, uh, for Chief Butcher or for me, uh, make sure you drop a line to firehouselogbook at gmail.com. And follow along on Twitter and Instagram, FD Logbook or FD Logbook Podcast is the handle there. Thanks again, Rick, for uh, for being here. Thank you, sir.